0: Now, certainly in the early days of uh, this Russian invasion of Ukraine, it's been encouraging to see the Russian stumbles. It's been encouraging to see the Ukrainian resistance. It's been encouraging to see the response from the West, from the international community. All of that said, though, Russia could still succeed here. Ukraine could still fall. And so is it enough to put a price on this for Russia? It is a considerable price that Russia is paying, as we see. Uh, but in the end, if they still managed to to conquer Ukraine, what did it accomplish? Uh, Terry Glavin, author and journalist, had an interesting piece uh, this week for The National Post on how it can't be enough just to put a price on this invasion. You can read his latest, as mentioned, NationalPost.com. Also more at his recently launched Substack, the TheRealStory.Substack.com. Uh, author journalist Terry Glavin joins us on the line here this morning. Terry, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
1: Nice talking to you again, Rob.
0: You know, as I say, there's, uh, you know, that, that's still that sense of foreboding doom here, despite some of the encouraging signs we've seen initially. Just your thoughts on kind of where we're at here.
1: Oh, boy. Um, I think it's probably too late. And I'm Mr. Optimist, right? And I, uh, you know, I've sort of covered a lot of these things over the years, in Hong Kong and the Arab Spring and the Iranian uprisings and um, from what we know about how these things tend to play out particularly when it's vladimir putin who is um, issuing the orders uh, it doesn't look good Um, there's a couple of reasons for that right away Um, one of the reluctant conclusions i'd reached this week because i mean i'm caught up in the excitement like everybody else I think it's great. Um, You know, I mean, I think historic events have occurred, particularly in Europe. Um, Just, you know, decades of foreign policy paralysis, this weird German neo-pacifism, all of that's gone and over. And it's, you know, all of the contradictions are sharpening and it's all very exciting and good. But... um, The difficulty is that the sanctions regime, for instance, the escalated sanctions that um, were sort of drafted and contemplated and ready ready to go, were all aimed at dissuading Vladimir Putin from invading Ukraine. And then he did. So we failed. And the difficulty is we're still in the same kind of mindset as we were before he invaded. He's actually invaded now. And when you listen to the European Union and you listen to Boris Johnson, they're talking about making him pay a high price for invading a democratic, westward-looking European republic. So it's starting to sound a lot like, hey, you can invade and conquer a European democracy if you feel if you think you have to, as long as you can afford to.
0: Right.
1: And then there was... Uh, President Joe Biden's State of the Union address, which was, uh, wasn't very reassuring, let me tell you. I'm quoting, um, while he may make gains on the battlefield, he will be paying a continuing high price over the long run. That sounds a like, you know, hey, it's going to cost you a lot of money to pay for the crime you're committing, but you can amortize your debt over time. And so, I mean, in that one sentence... Continuing the word continuing, and over the long run, it's almost as though we've just presumed and taken it for granted that uh, this is going to go south, and it's going to last for years, and there's nothing much we can do about it. Engage in mm-hmm. peacetime at bring, attempting to bring Vladimir Putin before the international court of justice. Um, it seems. Oh, certain now this way that uh, uh, and it's it's an international war it's very, very stirring and heartening. I they have an international brigade, there's all it's 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 interesting in that way and it's it gives me, believe it or not, you know, more faith in my fellow human beings. But I'm afraid it's quickly degenerating into a street-by-street guerrilla war. And it's likely Mm -hmm. to last years, likely to cost tens of thousands of Ukrainian lives. And our attention will be drawn away in the same way it was with Syria. Um, So what we've seen from the Russian military strategy in Kharkiv this week bombard civilian areas with banned cluster munitions, encircle the city, Besiege the, the people into rubble, hunger, and submission. It's very much like the early days of the siege of Aleppo. Uh, and that lasted four years. And when it was over in December 2016, and during, by the way, the siege, the Russian Air Force bombed and strafed and deliberately targeted hospitals and medical clinics and humanitarian convoys, helicopter gunships dispatched by Bashar Assad, dropped barrel bombs and chlorine gas on crowded civilian areas. By the time it was over, more than 30,000 people had been killed, more than 33,000 buildings in that beautiful and ancient city had been destroyed. And in the final weeks, it was a full-on starvation sie- siege. And it was historic in this way. The last bastion of the Syrian uprising had was gone. Uh, the revolution was finished. Uh, Bashar al-Assad had won, Russia had won, Iran had won, Hezbollah won. The United Mm -hmm. States lost, the United Nations lost, and the the war in Syria, actually, which had by then already taken nearly half a million lives, continued on. So, I I mean, this is the worry that I have, that we don't really have an end game, yeah? Yeah. You know, like do all these things, or we're going to be really mad at you, and it's going to cost you a lot of money, and you're going to have to pay um, I'm afraid that the end game has to be eliminating vladimir Putin, and it has to be accomplished very very quickly i I'm hopeful you know people have talked about a no fly zone, and people have made fun of uh, uh of of of, of certain military people who suggested this is a good thing oh you know mushroom clouds nuclear war give me a break um vladimir putin threatened nuclear war for when europeans started saying bad things about him he didn't like the tone they had taken we can enforce a a a, 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 a no-fly zone over ukraine without sending u.s fighter jets into the sky to shoot down Russian MiGs, if we can get enough javelins and stingers and surface-to-air missile batteries to the Ukrainians on time, we might be able to basically implement a no-fly zone in that way from the ground. Um, So, I mean, there is hope, but I'm afraid the Ukrainians are being made to fight our war, and it is a war. And it's a war that's been going on between the liberal democracies and uh, the police state bloc for the last 16 years. You've got China, Iran, Russia, Venezuela, you know, a handful of Central Asian states on one side. And, you know, you've got the rest of us on the other. And it's not a good thing. It's, 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 it's you know, we really have to wake up. I think, to the state of the world as it is and make a decision. And I think that's the key thing, right, is we just Mm -hmm. have to decide. I mean, I'm not a military strategist, and we've all got interesting ideas, but we have to decide. This guy's got to go. Enough is enough. We've seen Chechnya. We've seen Grozny. We've seen Abkhazia, Ossetia, Ossetia, the invasion of Georgia, the 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 evisceration of Syria. Um, how, long, how long are we going to... You know, he invaded Donbass. You know, our own foreign affairs minister, Stéphane Dion at the time, you know, was chumming around with him. There's, there was no indication that the sanctions after 2014 took any effect. So we really have to start behaving seriously now and recognize the situation we're in and decide. It's over. That's
0: it. It's gone. I'm curious, you know, I mean, we, we certainly have seen some meaningful sanctions. And, and it's, you know, the yeah. Russian economy that's paying a considerable price. Uh, we're going after the oligarchs now, who, you know, despite all of this, probably still fear Vladimir Putin. But it, do, do you hold any optimism that this can bring about enough pressure internally in Russia to, to push Putin, Putin out or to force his hand in any way?
1: That's that's one of the things that does leave me some optimism. Um, you know, putting, like I wrote in the National Post, kill the body and the head will die. So you've got about 500 super rich Russian riffraff out there and they hold as much wealth as the rest of Russia's 144 million people combined, right? So yes, go after these guys, hunt them to the ends of the earth. That's a lot of wealth, by the way, 640 billion. Mm-hmm. And a lot, and most of it is is tied up in yachts and posh real estate and industrial holdings and investment portfolios in the United Kingdom, in Canada, by the way, the European Union, the United States. So sanctions seize, expropriate, expropriate the living daylights out of these people. That's a good thing. And the other thing is there is a, um, you know, there's a there there is a Russian tycoon I forget his name who's already publicly uh yes alex uh, Konaikin, who's already announced a, a 1 million dollar bounty on putin's head this is wow. good and you know the ruble's taking a real hit i mean that's going to hurt the russian people um but you know i think it was 28 rubles to the dollar before the 2014 sanctions came in and then it was 56 and uh and and the, and I now I think it's 109 or something like that. Ruble, you know, so the ruble is worth less than an American penny. The the you know Xi Jinping and China they have got Putin's back. You know they uh, they're, they're a, a bit embarrassed by everything mm-hmm. at the moment. They've got a lot on the line themselves. The Chinese may be the key to this because they're terribly exposed in Western economies. And uh, so, you know, they're getting a little bit nervous about all this talk about sanctions because, you know, we've got 300 and some bad guys, Russian bad guys now on Canada's sanctions list. Right. We have four Chinese officials on Canada's sanctions lists after all these years. If Canadian if the Canadian people start looking at this and saying, what the hell? (laughs) it's not going to go well for uh the chinese communist party and all their friends in high places in this country so yes that 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 gives me some some cause for optimism um the other thing that causes me some i mean you know the great the, the best thing of course would be that uh you know, Putin is persuaded to go away and stop doing this by mysterious, mysteriously plunging from a six-story window, right. like uh, so many of his uh, uh, opponents uh, have done. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, I think the more that the more of a resistance, an effective resistance, there is in um, uh, in Ukraine, and the more you know, it's getting more difficult for Russians to know what's going on because the final independent media are being shut down. Um, but um, if, oh, who, let's see now, Elliot Cohen, we'll leave it to him. Elliot Cohen's a really smart guy, former State, state Department, big, big shot. He's a prophet, John Hopkins University. And what he says is only one thing in fact can cause Russia to rethink and even abandon its program of conquest coffins It's a terrible thing
0: yeah but it's well, true it is terry we gotta leave it there but uh, your latest it's up at nationalpost.com much more as well I always appreciate it terry thanks for making time for us here